0: your Bibles today. We're going to be jumping all over the place. Um, so we're going to be like, I don't know if this matters to you. I mean, if you have a paper Bible, maybe this does. I don't really know. But we're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in First John. We're going to be in John. And we're going to be in Acts. That's a whole lot of jumping around, right? But hey, it's all good. It's all good because we are in the second part of our two-part series. This is the last one that um, we started talking about last week, which I really hope has kind of challenged you with the status of your relationship with Jesus and your status with the world around you, okay? Now, before we jump in, though... Uh, my wife mentioned it a little bit earlier. And can I just say, man, that last song, I could have just kept going and going and going and going, man. I was like, man, keep it up, man. I'm in the groove. This is worship. Um, so, hey, great song, by the way. And and what's really uh, ironic is I'm going to share a scripture that we did not talk about um, that just kind of flows in with kind of a little bit of that. But anyways, um, but before we jump in, I, I came across um, four things to just remind the men and to remind kids uh, regarding Mother's Day, okay, and what to buy for Mother's Day, or what not to buy, sorry, what not to buy for Mother's Day. So this is kind of a public service announcement, all right, and you might be able to thank me later, I don't really know, but they put down here, one, don't buy her anything that plugs in, okay, anything that requires electricity is seen as a no-thrills gift, right, like buying her a blender or something like that, it's like, yeah, great, thanks, honey. Um, The other one is don't buy clothing that involves sizes, okay? They say the chances chances are one in 7,000 you will get it right, okay? So, man, kids, don't buy anything with sizes, right? Because think about it, if you're wrong, she's going to be mad 6,999 times more, right? Because it's wrong. All right. The third thing they said is don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self improvement. Right. I'm not going to go any farther on that one. I think I'll stick right, right there. Right. And then the last one was don't spend too much because she'll ask, how are we going to afford this? But don't spend too little because she won't say anything, but be thinking, man, is this all I'm worth? Like, what's up with that? All right. So I'm just trying to help you guys out. I'm trying to help myself out as well, but I thought that was kind of funny when I read those. I thought, oh, I got to share that. That is awesome. All right. So last week, we talked about that you and I have a mandate from the Lord, okay, in the Great Commission to see people's worlds turned upside down. And if you remember, we we looked at the book of Acts chapter 17, and it was talking about Paul and Silas and how they came into a city and, man, caused this uproar and people were just kind of, you know, stirred up. And um, some of the people came and said, hey, these are the people that have turned the world upside down. And they were causing a commotion because there not only was people who getting upset, but also there was people who were coming to to a a saving knowledge of who Christ was. And so people were being upset by that. But see, we've been given this, this mandate to turn people's worlds upside down with the message uh, 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 and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. You and I, both of us, right? And it's supposed to be through us as believers. We are to upset the world, okay? Now, we said last week, upset doesn't mean that you make people mad, okay? Because we've got enough of that going around in the world these days, right? I mean, you look at somebody just pulling up in your car and you look and they get mad at you for looking at them. I saw some lady, I don't even know what happened, but some lady, man, she gave some, some guy the bird. Well, you know what I mean. Or the, the one finger hello signal or whatever. Um, for no reason. And I thought, wow, you're kind of cranky and upset. What's up with that? And, 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 but see, the, the, the idea is that we're not upsetting people because we want to make them mad. We want to upset the world enough to where they begin to think and lean in and press in to who this Jesus is that we have in our life who Jesus is to us. So it begins to kind of stir something inside of them. Now, will they maybe get upset? Yeah, maybe. But I'm believing because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's going to not only maybe if it frustrates them or makes them mad, but it's also going to begin to start something in them. Almost like a conversation that the Holy Spirit is going to start talking to them about wow, what's going on with that? Why am I so upset about this Jesus guy? And the Holy Spirit gets to kind of begin to talk to them. But see, if we keep quiet, if we don't say anything at all, how are we going to upset the world? How are we going to turn people's worlds upside down? But see, that's the mandate that we have been given. And so we're trying to help them. We're trying to get them to understand. But in order for that to happen, remember last week I said the very first thing that has to happen is your world's got to be turned upside down. Your world has to be turned upside down by your relationship that you have with Jesus. See, Jesus wants to turn your world upside down. Because if you remember last week, I said that, you know what? The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It's opposite. It's opposite. Of what we see in the world here. So to people. They look at it and go. Well what do you. Why, Why would you do that? That's not how the world does it. See the world thinks they're right side up. But the fact is. Is the kingdom of God is upside down. So then when your world get turned upside down. You're right side up. And that's, that's key, key for us to understand. We've got to be able to get to a point where we have to have our world turned upside down. How important is it to have Jesus in your life, operating in your life, and to be able to go ahead and share him with other people? Now, I know there's different personalities. There's different ways that we do things and stuff like that. But, but, but understand, I'm, I'm trying to just get to the crux of, of some very basic things in our life for us to understand that we have been given a mandate to upset the world, to turn people's worlds upside down with the help, right, of the Holy Spirit. And really, honestly, Jesus is the only one that can turn the world upside down, okay? But see, he's got to use people. He has to use us, and we've got to be willing, right? So when our world is turned upside down, we no longer have an appetite for the things of this world, to live in, 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 the, in the appetites and the selfishness of the flesh or the selfishness of the lifestyle that, that we just, we, we just want to live ourselves and all that, all of a sudden our appetite begins to change. And all of a sudden we begin to say, well, you know what? Wait a minute. My world's being so turned upside down by Jesus that now I have this appetite to please God above everything else, that I have turned over my independence. To Jesus, I have signed the Declaration of Independence for Scott over to Jesus and said, man, Jesus, you're it. I'm following you. I'm going after you. And everything I do, I'm going to follow the kingdom principles. I'm going to follow what, what your heart is and what your, your design is. But see, have we had that happen? To the degree that you really have signed that Declaration of Independence over. Because sometimes, you know what, we allow Jesus to come in, but we don't let Jesus turn our world up, up right, right side up. We maybe go halfway. And we're like, hey, <laughs> right? We're kind of just kind of, kind of halfway. Because we haven't fully surrendered. We still got issues in our life. We still got some things that we, we cling on to, we hold on to. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to give this up. I, I, I just don't. But he says, yeah, no, 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 I, I need you. I need you to give, give that up. I need you to surrender that to me. But see, he he does that because he wants to totally turn your world upside down to the point where you're just living for him. And then when you do that, all of a sudden, and I guarantee this is what's gonna happen, when it's totally turned upside down, you're gonna start being compelled in your life to begin to go to the places and spaces that you occupy and begin to turn people's worlds upside down for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, right? Because it's gonna do something in them because they're gonna wonder about you. They're They're gonna try to figure this out. What's going on? So the kingdom is upside down so that it can turn you up right side up, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, you are right side up. <laughs> even if it's a faith statement, even if you're not sure, okay? But see, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we get our lives turned upside down or right side up to be the people God planned us to be. Look, look at this in Ephesians chapter two. Ooh, I hear some paper turning. Turn in. You know, that, that's kind of a lost art nowadays, right? Hearing paper turn, where a lot of times it's like, ah, yeah, I got scripture up there. It's all cool, right? Or I got it on my um, iPhone or, or whatever. But man, to hear pages turn, man, that, that was like exciting. I don't know why, but it was just exciting to me. Okay, so Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Listen, so we can do the good things, He planned for us yesterday? No. Long ago. See, a long ago, he had this plan for your life. Long ago. He's got good things for you to accomplish and do for the kingdom of God. Long ago. He already, man, that's that he's got the plan. And you might think well well Pascal man I'm not really anybody I'm just this guy trying to figure it out or a girl that's just trying to figure it out but but in God's eyes he's already got this plan set up for you that he's just waiting for you to kind of just step into but see part of stepping into that is having your world turned upside down so my title today right? So this is the second part. So it's upside down number two with this little tagline, the identity of an upside downer, right? Now, not Debbie downer, okay? But an upside downer. So turn to your neighbor, right? And say, are you an upside downer? Okay. So now, now turn to the other neighbor that wasn't your favorite and say the same thing. <laughs> Okay, anyways. All right. So as, as an upside downer, right? One who's had their life turned upside down, we have to stand out from the world. We have to stand out from the world. This is what Jesus, he alluded to this in Matthew chapter five, verse 14. He says this, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop, that cannot be hidden. Now, you may not realize this in, 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 as you read that or, or uh, you hear me read it, but Jesus is making a statement of your current reality. If you are a believer in Christ, then you are the light of the world. Who, who's the light of the world? Pastor Scott only? No. Every single one of us are the light of the world because you have been given that light through your relationship with Jesus. Everything you need is because of your relationship with Christ. He's given you everything you need to be a light in the darkness, right? Everything you need to go into your places and spaces and turn the world upside down. Everything you need. See, what we do is we discount ourselves. We think, well, man, I don't got much, I don't got much tools. I, got, I don't got much gifting. I'm not like, you know, uh, the, have the gift of gab or, or, or very outgoing and personal. It doesn't matter. God already knows your personality. He knows your characteristics. He knows everything about you. But everything he's given you is what you need to turn your places and spaces upside down. To get people thinking, right? To get them kind of like, huh. Check this out. But verse 16 says this. For all those who are trying to jump ship right now, verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, listen to this. It says, let your. That means it's a choice. I can't force you. I can tell you that, you know what? You have everything inside of you, everything you need through your relationship with Christ to be a light. But you know what? You could be one of those that decides to just put the basket over the light and not let it shine. Because Jesus said, let your. That means choose. Please choose. It's a matter of choice in order for that to happen before men, but you have to be determined to let your light shine. But are you? Right? Are you? So here we are. We've got to be people that, where, where people recognize that there's something different about us. Right? It's not because you got a new haircut. Not because you got new clothes or your clothes are different. Not because, you know, um, I, I don't know, maybe took a shower or whatever, right? Or, or you know, whatever that is. But, but we got to get to the point where people start saying, you know what? Every time I'm around this person, there's something, something changes in me. There, there, there's something going on, I, 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 man, I get around him and her, and man, I just kind of change, now, whether that change is, I'm upset, or Jesus, don't talk to me about Jesus, okay, but that's changing, right, okay, they get upset about, it. or it might be, you know what, I'm a little bit nicer, now, whenever I'm around, Wendy, for an example, I'm just nicer, now, I, I, I don't know why, but then I get around someone else and I'm a little crabby and whatever. But with, Nick, with Wendy, I'm, I'm nice, right? So we know that something's going on. But see, we gotta be people that people begin to recognize every time I'm around this believer, there's something changing in me. There's something going on in there. And either if it is a conflict because of who Jesus is, then oh, you know what, pray. Ask the Lord to help these people begin to recognize and realize the reason why there's a conflict is because the Holy Spirit's tugging on their heart. Or that these people would recognize, man, I'm just different. I got to find out what's different about them. Or I got to find out more about what this is, what Jesus is, who Jesus is. But it's so important that we get it because we've got to like literally stand out. We do. Too often we just kind of step back. But we got to begin to shine out right? I, we've got to shine out more than uh, all these other people who are pushing their beliefs because there's a lot of that going on these days, isn't there? But see, the, the big C, right? Church, big C church, not this church, but big C, right? Ha, has kind of, in some ways, kept their mouth shut, have kind of been, you know, slowly coming to the table, after all of stuff that's been happening and all these opinions that have been out there and all these things, all, all of a sudden the, the church is kind of like, oh, we should wake up, we should be stirred up, we should be engaged, we should be involved because we've kind of just sat back. I mean, we could see that and just, you know, we, we hear when, when people are raising their kids and you're like, What? Why are you letting, why is that happening? There's no structure. You know, I'm not saying it's gotta be like leave it to Beaver, right? With, with uh, uh, what was their names? Um, Ward and uh, June, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, that was like the perfect family. But, but there was principles that were laid out. But see, sometimes we just kind of have let those things slide by. But see, that's the thing. We've got we to understand that when we enter our places and spaces, people are pushing their agenda all the time. So we're going to jump into our first point. I got four points for you today because yeah, last week, you remember, how many did I give you? Two. So I got to make up, right? I got to make up. You're like, oh, come on, Pastor Scott. All right. So we're making it up. But on, on the identity of an upside downer, an upside downer's Upside-downers love Jesus. That's the first point. Upside-downers love Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Our love for him is a response to his divine love for us when he gave himself for us. Wouldn't you say? That's how it should be. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him... Because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. This is a huge point, if you think about it. Because we live in a generation, a culture, that tries to make people who, are, who believe in Jesus feel bad about expressing their love for him. You can't do that. How dare you bring that name up here? You, that's so wrong, right? Have you, I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but we live in a culture that as soon as you bring up the name of Jesus, man, the whole atmosphere kind of changes. People get a little like feisty about it, right? And they get mad when you express your love for Jesus, which to me is crazy because everyone else gets to express what they love. They get to express what they think about things, they get to express all that's going on. And oh, hey, man, I, I'm so into this. I'm so into this. And then you're all, yeah, I love Jesus. What? <sighs> I can't believe you said that. Never talking to you again, right? But see, they can express whatever it is that is on their heart. But see, we have to get to the point where we're expressing just that we love Jesus. I, 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 I love Jesus, right? But they want us to shy away. They want us to kind of like hide, get that, get that little bucket, and hide our light, and just you know cram down in the corner. I hope they don't see me. I hope they don't say me. I hope they don't persecute me. That happens. But see, we need we need to be expressive about our love for Jesus. If you want to turn your world upside down, Paul and Barnabas were not ones that hid, right? Paul and Barnabas were ones that, man, expressed their love for Jesus, didn't they? <laughs> Wherever they went, whatever, they went into the Jewish uh, synagogues. Wherever they went, they expressed their love for Jesus. And what was the result? Hey, these people are turning the world upside down. And see, we, we got to get to that point where, man, we're expressing, right? We can't let them stop us. If you love Jesus, you should make that loud right? Turn up your volume and make it clear. Don't make it muddy. Well, yeah, I go to church. Okay. Well, so does half of America, but that doesn't mean everybody loves Jesus, right? So what about if you turned it around and said, yeah, I love Jesus and I go to church, (laughs) right? I mean, I'm just saying, but you should be let it, let it be known that you are a lover of Jesus. But a lot of times, you know what, I think for people, this is just kind of one reason, but I think people sometimes like shy away from that expression because, you know what, they feel like they have to, to kind of exp- um, um, uh, b- basically defend that type of love. They have to defend their love. So some people think, man, I, 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 man, I'm not even sure how to defend my love for Jesus. Because, you know, we think we got to have a Bible scholar. We got to have a Bible education right we got to be the person who knows everything about everything about Jesus we got to be able to explain uh, you know the old testament and the new testament we got to be able to lay that all out and i'm not saying that's not important it's very important to study and to grow in god's word very very important but see we have to understand that sometimes just you saying i love jesus is good enough right well oh, Tell me why. I just love Jesus because he gave his life for me. I mean, I mean, think about it. Where else do you have to defend what you love, right? I love my wife, but I don't have to defend that I love my wife to anybody, right? I don't have to walk around and go, oh, yeah, I love my wife because my wife's this and that and da 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 No, I don't have to do that. You just go, oh, cool. You should because you're married, but Cool. Right? I mean, that's kind of a no brainer, I guess you could say. Okay? Uh, you know, I love carrot cake. Okay? Oh, I love carrot cake. There, there's a restaurant in California named Claim Jumper that had this carrot cake that, oh my gosh, it was to die for. I mean, well, I wouldn't die, but you know what I mean. It was just so, so good. I love carrot cake. Now I can't have it because of my dietary restrictions, but I have a wife who every birthday makes me this dietary carrot cake. I know that sounds gross, but you know. Um, But man, it is so good that I love that too. But see, I I can tell you, I love carrot cake and I don't have to defend why I love carrot cake. You just go, oh, yuck, or whatever you want, (laughs) right? Because some of you might not like carrot cake, I don't know. But you might go, oh, okay, and you accept that and you just kind of move on. People move on from that. But see, I've had an experience, right? Now you think that's weird. But I've had an experience, and I love these things. I love my wife because the experience that I've had with my wife as far as growing in relationship with her. I love carrot cake because I love to eat it. I've had an experience, out-of-body experience with carrot cake, right? And those results kind of have changed me. But see, the problem is, is that, you know what? I don't have to sit there and and tell people why. Oh, I love carrot cake because you know what? You first put a little bit of flour in and then you put a little bit of carrots. Like, I don't have to defend that. But see, what happens is people want you to defend your faith. And sometimes I'm just telling you, you don't have to be that gifted and talented with the word of God yet, but you can just say, I love Jesus because he died on the cross for my sin. I was a sinner. He died as a, he died a criminal's death. And that's all I can explain to you. I believe it. I believe it so. And man, he's done something inside of my life. So much so that, man, my world's been turned upside down. And he wants to turn your world upside down. So much so that whatever you're seeing in me can be in you as well. That's as simple as it can be. Right? But see, we we the enemy says, no, you gotta have this laid out, and you gotta have this laid out. You gotta have every single prophecy that lines up to who Jesus is. No, you don't. All you gotta do is just be real. But see, we gotta turn that love up, right? We gotta turn the dial up on that love. And 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 not be afraid of hiding it in our places and spaces that we work, that we go to. Because think about this, somebody, I don't know who, but somebody might be impacted or experienced or um, began to be stirred up because of the Jesus in you. Because every single one of you who are believers have Jesus in you. And you might stir that up in them a little bit. Again, I said not to make them upset but to just begin to stir the pot a little bit to the point where, man, you know what? You let the Holy Spirit do his job, okay? You're not not supposed to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives, but you are to plant seed, right? And then you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to water those seeds. And man, they might come back to you and say, hey, you know what? I want to talk to you about something. Yeah, right? Instead of like, oh no, what did I do? You know what I mean? Because, you know, I gave you this example a long time ago. I, I was in a, uh, a, a rock band playing drums, and we were, and I had my friend who was a bass player, and, and, and right in that middle of the thing, man, I decided, nope, I got to give that up. I got to go find Jesus in such a way that I follow what he's called me to do. So I gave it up. Gave up the thing, gave up my friends, per se. Didn't hang out with them as much anymore. We still talk, but, you know, Nothing. And then years later, my friend, the bass player, comes and says, hey, I want to I talk to you about something. Yeah, I didn't get what you were all about, about quitting the band, kind of quitting relationships in a sense, and following Jesus. He grew up Catholic. I didn't get it. But I want to tell you, when you did, something start, some started bugging me. To the point where, you know what? I finally gave my life to Jesus. But see, it was because at at some point, Jesus upset my world. And when I left the band, I kind of upset his world. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit now had an opportunity to begin to do all this work in him. And even though it took a couple years, and I'll just be honest with you, I wasn't praying for him. But it was the Holy Spirit doing his work because I made a stand. I know you think that sounds bad that I wasn't praying for him, you know, but, you know, because, you know, anyways. Um, but, but he gave his life to the Lord because I ups, upset his world because I made a decision. I love Jesus, and I'm going to go after it. So we, we got to decide, are we going to profess our love for him to others? Because they have no problem professing their love to what they love, the way they love, why they love, how they love. Wouldn't you agree? The culture has no problem with that. But as soon as you bring up what you love, oh yeah, they're going to be a little mad. They're going to be a little stirred. right? But see, the thing is, is we need to stand up and say, hey, if you can do it, I can do it. And I don't care what you say. Go ahead. Persecute me. Go ahead. Say bad things about me. You know what? Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 10, 32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, that's Jesus talking. He says, if you confess me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. This is a way better company to hang out with, right, than man. Amen. To be acknowledged by the Father. To be acknowledged by Jesus, to be acknowledged by the Holy Spirit is way better company to be associated with than with men in this culture or women in this culture. But see, by our love, professing our love to Jesus, people are going to know or identify, hey, there's something different about you. Your world's been upside down. It's like when we actually talk about Jesus that we love the one that we love. The second point, upside downers love people. Upside downers love people. There is absolutely no way you can love Jesus and not love people. Why? Jesus died for people, right? Jesus died for people. He died for you. Right? He died for you. He died for me. He died for we. Right? And since he did that, you and I have to be open to the fact that if he died for people, then that means we got to love them. Because he died for them. Now, there might be some who might say, well, you know what, Pastor Scott, the only thing about that is, you know, I think. Um, I don't have to do really any effort because if I love Jesus, then I automatically love people. Well, let's see what Jesus has to say about that. He kind of throws this out. It's gonna test the theory. Matthew chapter five says this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. So I'm gonna stop for a second. So he's saying, you know what? Just don't love those who are lovable. Because it's it's easy to do that. Right? I think it's easy. He says, pray for those who persecute you, right? Pray for your haters. Hater. Verse 45. In that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. So here Jesus is, right? Hey, it's really easy to love people who are lovable. But here's how I'm going to know you love me and you are ready to turn your world upside down. It's when you publicly love your enemies in the same way you love your friends. What? That's Jesus, right? It's not Pastor Scott, it's Jesus. And then he also kind of goes on and says, and when you pray for those who persecute you, in the same way you pray for those that you like. That's some heavy stuff. And he goes on to say, it's in this way that people will know that you are tied to the Father. You're tied to me. And you are acting like two children. So that means you can act not like a true child of God, but be a child of God. I mean, you know how your kid is sometimes. Sometimes they kind of get off off the rails and you're like, hey, you're not acting right, right? Say, I guess we can too. Verse 45 continues, he says, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. See, he shows no partiality. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust alike. Verse 46, if you love only those who love you, What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, he's saying you need to be growing in this, right? You're not gonna get the perfect gold star, Probably. I mean, you might. It you, once you get to that point where the Holy Spirit is doing so much work in you, that, man, it doesn't even bother you anymore. But for most of us, I think that would be still a struggle. Right? Well, we might not get the gold star, but maybe this week, because of what happened, I got a blue star because I semi was okay with what's going on, and I semi said blessings to you. Right? <laughs> But that is one of the truest tests we'll ever have as a believer in Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. It's how you treat people who don't treat you well. That's a test right there. Right? And there might be someone who has upset you, has just, you know, but see, God wants you to turn their world upside down. He really does. But you have to choose, right? Am I going to match the way they treated me or am I going to be a child of God and start using my, God's love to touch unlovable people, to reach unlovable people? See, we can't just do it to lovable people because that's really easy, right? That's easy Christianity. But see, when we start having to love unlovable people, that's a whole other ballgame. But I think that's when Jesus goes, Dad, look at my people. <laughs> right? He probably gets a smile on his face and he gets kind of like that, you know, and maybe a high five, you know, whoop, boop, fist pound. But but see, that that's, that's, that's the thing we've got to wrestle with. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, it says this. So now I am giving you a new command. Now this is Jesus, right? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay, it doesn't say, hey, love the lovable and you will prove to the world that you are my disciples, does it? doesn't say that. It just says love one another. One another includes unlovable people. That's his truth. So if you want to be seen as a disciple of Jesus, then you can't run away from people that you don't like and those that don't like you. Run to them. (laughs) I know that sounds weird, right? But remember the kingdom's upside down. Right? He says the first shall be last. So if you're last, you're going to be first. Lose your life so that you'll gain it. Right? So now, hey, run to those who don't like you or you kind of don't like them. Run to them and be friendly to them. Do good to them. That's radical, isn't it? Because most of the time we want to say, no way, I ain't doing that. I don't, I'm never picking up the phone when they call again. I, oh, you know, you're walking in, in your job. Oh, you, you know what I mean? You're avoiding doing whatever it is. But see, Jesus said, man, you know what? Because Jesus encountered people who hated him all the time. But did he run from them? No. With compassion, he ministered to them, with compassion, he loved them. Same, same, same principle, right? But see, we got to realize this though, okay? We can't do it in our own strength. Because again, I'm sure if we try to do it in our own strength, probably 100% of the time we will react with meanness back or persec- you know, doing whatever that we need to do in order to make us feel better. That's what our flesh will want. But see, what we need to do is just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know you love this person. Help me to love them. Because right now it's really difficult. And they're really kind of just rude and mean and whatever. But I know that Jesus wants me to love them. So help me, Holy Spirit, to learn how to love them. And you know what it might be? The Holy Spirit might say, <clears throat> Keep your mouth shut, zip it, right? Until He does a work in you that can turn around and say, Hey, yeah, I, you know what, man, I still love you. I'm, I'm still going to pray for you because of, of who, who you are. And, and I know God loves you. And that might be kind of offensive, right, to them. They might get upset. But see, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to upset the world. But see, the Holy Spirit will give you grace. He'll give you grace to do that. He will. The third point, upside downers are spirit-filled. Upside downers are spirit-filled. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. This kind of goes along with the song that we sang. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, this is huge, especially the way Paul sets this up. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that seems kind of odd. Why would Paul compare the Holy Spirit to wine? Why, why, why would he bring in this alcoholic drink? Yeah, we're talking about alcohol, right? In, in the church. But why would he say that? Why, why the contrast? Well, I'm sure, maybe, not saying for sure, but I'm sure you've been around someone who has had a lot of wine, right? Or, or maybe you've even encountered it yourself in your past Jesus life, right? Before Jesus, Okay? But what happens when someone is filled with wine? Things change. Something about that, that person changes when they get whatever that, that, whatever's in that bottle in their body. There are things that just change about their behavior. So what Paul is trying to say, I don't want you to be drunk with wine. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he knows that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, things will change in your life. Things will change in your life because that's what happens when the whole fullness of the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He gives you boldness. He gives you stuff to to use when you encounter people. Right? Okay, so like if you took uh, just let's say like a, 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 I'm just randomly throwing this out, like a bottle of tequila, right? And you drank all of it, I highly doubt you would stay the same person. Is that correct? Yeah, you probably you wouldn't be that that same person. And, and you know what's you know, looking at it, even a bottle of tequila, you know, that's hard liquor, so they call it a spirit. Well, why do they call it a spirit? Well, some believe it's because you know what, it gets in you and it changes who you are. It, it, it has this ability to do that. So when you, when you are um, filled with this spirit called tequila, right, it changes the way you, you walk, changes the way you talk, and it changes the way you behave. Think about it. It has a way of changing a person so then that person can't walk straight anymore. Right? You ever seen those episodes of Cops and they pull one over and the guy's been drinking and it's like, hey, yeah, I'm walking straight. Yeah, you know, whatever. Right? See, it changes when you get this inside of you. Okay? Now, this isn't the focus point, but I'm just trying to give you an idea. Okay? But it changes the way you walk. It changes, you know, your your behavior. And also, you know what it does? I mean, it turns a calm person into someone who's more aggressive. Right? It's the liquid courage. I got this. Let's go do it. Right? Or it turns a shy person, you know, into a a chatty Chuck or a chatty Kathy. It it just it just changes people. Yeah, and, and you know, too, it changes the way they talk. You get the slurred version, or the version you're like, huh? But as believer, Believers, Paul implores us not to be drunk with that, but we're filled with the Holy Spirit every day with this daily relationship, right? This daily acknowledgement and daily surrender. Because when you do that, the Holy Spirit will change the way you walk, He'll change the way you talk, He'll change the way you behave. I mean, just look at the book of Acts. Right, The full name of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Well, how did that happen? Because they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, these were ordinary men and women doing extraordinary things. I don't, I don't know if you remember somewhere in Acts where they said, yeah, you know, these are, these are men that are unlearned and untrained, but we recognize they've been with Jesus. So they're unlearned, untrained. Okay? What what do they mean by that? They didn't go to Hebrew Bible school. They didn't go to Greek Bible school. They didn't go to, you know, whatever. Maybe they had some knowledge of God's Word. But they were, what were they doing? They were upsetting the world. Just like I told you. You don't have to have a a, a degree hanging on the wall about Bible. You just got to love Jesus. And you just got to go for it. But that's what they said about him. But here they are doing extraordinary things because they were filled with the Spirit of God. And when we give the Holy Spirit complete control, he changes everything, right? I mean, he'll, 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 he'll change the way you talk again. He'll, he'll, he'll give you the spiritual um, ways to walk with God right? You'll you'll be able to walk in in alignment. He'll be able to lead you and direct you, right? He'll put you in in positions where he's changing where you go, right? No longer going to the bars, but I'm going to church. He'll change the way you go. No longer going here, but I'm now here in fellowship with other believers. But see, that's what the Holy Spirit does, and Paul's saying it's more important to be drunk with the Holy Spirit than with any other toxic thing that you can put in your body. That would change the way you walk, the way you talk, and your behavior. Amen. He's trying, trying to get that, that, that concept to us. Right? I mean, it'll talk, change the way you talk. Instead of snapping at someone who snapped at you and you know, doing it right away, Holy Spirit might say, "Hold on for a minute. Don't say anything." And you approach it a different way. You don't get all riled up and yeah, oh yeah, three snaps in a circle to you. No, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry if I offended you. I didn't mean to. I just love Jesus, and and I'm not out to offend you. I just love Jesus, and so if that if that offends you, I'm really sorry. But man, I just want you to know he loves you. And I'm gonna be praying for you. See that changes, like you're like, whoa, wait, where how's that coming out of my mouth? The Holy Spirit is working inside of you. This is what Ephesians chapter 4, 31, 32 says. It says, lay aside bitter words. Temper tantrums. He's talking to adults. All right? As an adult, have you ever had a temper tantrum before? Kind of? Yeah. Right, I guess I'm the only one, because <laughs> you're can ask my wife after, right? OK. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity and insults. but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Oh. Right? And then, you know what? The Holy Spirit will change the way you behave. I mean, you might be timid. A person who's kind of timid, fearful. But man, now all of a sudden you're like, hey, I love Jesus. You know, people are like, like, what? what? I love Jesus. Because man, the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life. Let's go to point number four, right? Point number four. The last one. Upside downers do good. Upside downers, do good. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. "And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That goes back you know, to our third point, right? Holy Spirit impact with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, you know, for me, sometimes I, I like to look at the sequence, but look at the sequence. He went around doing good first. Right? I mean, Jesus was a really nice guy. Wouldn't you say? I mean, when you read in the Bible, he wasn't mean. He wasn't angry. He, he was a nice guy. Jesus was a really nice guy, and sometimes that is the most upsetting attribute you could have to those around you in your culture because they don't get it. They don't understand. Why are you so nice? Why are you so good to me? Because of Jesus. Because I love Jesus. I love people. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm an upside downer. Who does good? Because you know this. I mean, we live in a pretty cynical world, right? Pretty cynical. But see, one of the greatest things that you can to do is to just be kind. Just being nice, doing good for others, and and what's cool is Jesus set an example. Let me give you a couple of examples that Jesus did. His very first miracle was not healing someone; it was being nice. He goes to a wedding, and he's in the wedding, right? And they ran out of wine, so they go to Mary. Mary, Mary, what do we do? What do we do? Go talk to Jesus. Jesus, like, hey, it's not my time yet. What do you? Okay, because Jesus was nice. So what does he do? He turns the water into wine, and they bring it out at the very end, and people are like, "Whoa, dude, you saved the best for last." You are a rock star. But see, Jesus did it because he was nice. Right? He went about doing good. Another occasion, Jesus was walking in the city one day, and he saw this short guy in a tree. Right? And he said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house. He was being nice. Here he is, he's inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house when Zacchaeus is a tax collector and considered a scumbag in the city. I mean, tax collectors were the lowest of the low. And here's Jesus strolling. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over. Right, most of us would freak out. And go, oh my gosh, my house isn't clean. Oh, I got dust bunnies everywhere. Oh my God, whatever. But it doesn't say anything about that. I don't even know if Zacchaeus, yeah, Zacchaeus was married. So his wife maybe gave him a hard time after that. But you see, Jesus was being nice. He invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And what happened? His whole life changed. His world was turned upside down. Because he was being nice. He could have looked at Zacchaeus and thought like everybody else. I ain't going over to that guy's house. No way. But instead he said, man, I'm coming over. Check me out, I'm coming over. Comes over, and, man, he turns Zacchaeus' world upside down. And man, he's just being nice enough to invite himself over. So do some good every single day. Go buy someone an ice cream. That's not difficult, right? Open a door for someone hey, God bless you, right? I just, just do good every single day. And if you don't know what to do, ask the Holy Spirit for help because he's looking for opportunities. Remember, like we talked about, man, you're in line for coffee and you're like, Holy Spirit, man, what can I do to bless somebody? Hey, buy that person coffee. okay. So you buy, it doesn't have to be a Starbucks, it can be a McDonald's, it could, you know, buy him a cheeseburger, whatever it is. But, but, but be nice, because Jesus was nice. So if you begin to be nice, you begin to upset your world. Again, you remember what I said? Man, people can struggle with that. Why are you so nice to me? Because Jesus was nice. And I love Jesus. And I love people. And the Holy Spirit's in me. And I'm an upside downer. Yeah, you are. I know. But that's who he made me to be. Right? So we just got to allow him to work in us. So let's wrap it up. God wants you, wants to take our lives and turn it upside down. So make sure your life's turned upside down by him. To the point where he wants to upset the world with the message, the love, and the hope of Jesus. That's what he wants. But he needs you. To be a part of that. He wants you to be a part of it. That, that. That's his heart. He looks at you and goes, man, you can touch so many lives. You, you can touch a life better than Pastor Scott can touch that life because you have relationship with him. You have fellowship with him, right? In, in some, some way. Yeah, I know they're a stinker sometimes, but you still have the ability to touch their life. But see, that, that, that's truly allowing God to upset your world, to turn your world upside down to the point where you begin to upset other people's world so their world's turned upside down. And then that's how the cycle keeps going. But see, are you willing? I, I love this, and I'm gonna share this. And oh, Jim, I hope you're okay with it. But I was just talking to him this morning, and Jim told me, uh, or Heather told me, one, one of the two, um, um, that they were out to dinner last night and it was late, right? And, and so uh, I think Heather said, I think the waitress was just trying to get rid of us. But anyways, um, but, but, but Jim invited her to church. What? Okay, so here he is. He's inviting her to church. Now, did she come? I don't, I, no. And they were saying, yeah, I don't know if she'll come. Maybe she was just being nice. But let me tell you, That is one of the very first steps in being an upsetter is turning people's worlds upside down because I'm going to believe along with Jim and Heather and pray for this young lady who I do not know. But that opened a door to begin to maybe upset her world to the point where, man, she sees the value in a relationship with Jesus and turns her life over to him so that her world could be turned right side up. But do you get that? It's very simple, right? We think, oh, well, no, I'm saying the world means, man, I, I am like grabbing a hold of someone and I'm dragging them to church. Sometimes it's just being nice, right? It's just being nice. An invitation, right? Or or something that you say. Or, hey, you know what? You're struggling. I'm a, I, can I pray for that? Uh, okay, maybe not right here, but are you okay with me writing your name down so I can go home and pray? And, and pray. Don't just say I'm writing your name down. But, but, but I'm going to pray for you during the week. Is that okay? Most people say, yeah, I guess so, right? But see, You're giving yourself an opportunity to upset their world because the Holy Spirit then can come in and do what he does best. You're not the Holy Spirit. I get that and I hope you get that. But see, you have to be a a, 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 um, a conduit or or a a vessel for him to use. So we got to allow him to do that. Right? And when we allow Him to do that in us, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you, you will never be the same. You won't be just making it, you will never be the same. So, I'm closing it up right here. Praise the Lord. Right? So, love God, right? Love Jesus, love people, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and do some good. Listen, out loud, not hidden right? Because you are already a light to the world, a light that's on the mountaintop that you can see, but it's up to you to do it. It's up to you to let your light shine. It's not up to Pastor Scott. It's not up to your spouse. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to you. So this two 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 week message, man, I hope it stirred something in you because I don't want this to be a country club where we just come and we just sit in our seats and we're a country club. No, that we actually begin to understand that we are part of this great commission and that God wants us to upset the world around us. And like I said, it doesn't have to be drastic. It's just you doing your part. And that might be praying for someone. That might be nice being nice to someone, right? That might be just saying, I love Jesus. Well, why do you love Jesus? I don't know. I just love Jesus because he died for me. Well, you got to give me more than that. Well, this is what I got. So be okay with that. And if they say stuff, walk away and go, man, Jesus, I'm I'm glad I'm in better company with you than I am with them. Right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in the house this morning. We thank you for the word that was spoken today. Um, Use it. Holy Spirit, in each of our lives to, to grasp it, to um, let it uh, grow inside of us. Um, even if that's got to break down some walls in us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way in that way, that you would break down those walls that are inside of us that that tend to to, to, to not want to branch out or, or be an upside downer. But Lord, help us to, to um, overcome that. Holy Spirit, give us... Boldness. Just as the disciples prayed, after uh, being kind of uh, persecuted by the, the religious leaders, they came back and said, "Lord, grant to us boldness to preach the gospel. Stretch out your hand, so signs and miracles and wonders could happen. Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray that would be on the hearts of our people, in whatever capacity." we have with the word of God, you are able to use that Holy Spirit. Help us to just be one that people can identify that are upside downers, that are are out to upset the world around them. And I thank you for what you're doing in us. We love you. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening.